Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello and welcome to the Winners Find a Way Show. I am your host, Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, CEO of AIM NIL Academy. And most people know me as uh, both public speaker and longtime coach in professional baseball, coaching in three World Series. So super excited about you joining us on the Winners Find a Way Show today. And I have my good friend, Rob Finkelstein. Rob, how are you doing, my man? You know what? I'm doing great. I'm so jacked about that intro. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's why we got the hot tick, man. Like, you gotta uh, take it. Hot it's, take. That's so, great. I mean, between my podcast that I do and the NIL for you podcast that we co-host, I mean, it's it's exciting, man. I, I need a sizzle reel. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, what most people don't know is that Rob and I actually co-host a secondary podcast to both our main podcasts called NIL for You, which is awesome. And uh, love being on that show with you, man. But hey, let's have everybody get to know Rob Finkelstein today which is first Stein or Stein? Stein, you got it. You know, got I, it. I used to say it's ambidextrous, but Stein. It's Stein. Yeah, I want to be right, man. Like, I like that. So you're a New Jersey kid, a fighting Delaware Blue Hen, by the way, which is awesome. And now in Florida. So tell everybody where they can find you. They can find me on alumnidirect.com. They can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook, uh, both personally. Rob Finkelstein, find me there. But then you can find us on our Alumni Direct accounts. And then definitely go into our Alumni Direct YouTube channel where they can catch all the uh, great athletes, entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey podcast, as well as all the podcast networks. Yeah. So tell me, Rob, did you study alumni management and networking in college or what was your major, brother? My major was business marketing, but I've always okay. been a, I'm a sales guy by trade for many years and uh, just so passionate about networking, connecting and helping people. And that's where all that came from. Yeah. And I love it. So let's get into this a little bit. I mean, Alumni Direct, your operation, tell us a little bit about that business real quick. Yeah, sure. We So what we did is we set out to create a platform where different uh, alumni, whether it be just uh, straight out college alumni, it could be athlete alumni, business alumni association, fraternity, sororities, place where they know they can go and everybody there is in that affinity group. So unlike some of these other platforms where you kind of have to do some digging to find your fellow alumni here, everybody's from that same group. Love it. I mean, it's crazy. Like if we just talked about college and university students, I mean, how many actual university, and I'm not talking, you could say graduates, whatever you want to tell me. 
Like, what is the current number in our workforce today that are alumni? Is this like 27 million? Is it 200 million? What's our number just so, in the U.S. alone? Do you know that number? Yeah, we're looking at probably upwards of 140 million. And that's wow. from, from over 4,000 colleges and universities in the U.S. And wow. that, that's a couple of years back, so it might be a little bit higher now. And that's just the U.S. It doesn't include you know Canada or anywhere else in the world as far as uh, alumni go. Wow. I mean, yeah, and when you think about the number, we, you know, we deal a lot with the athletes, right? And so 570,000 college athletes at any given time at the NCAA, which I think is a ton, by the way, right? Yeah. And then you think the millions and millions enrolled in college. And you know, I went to the University of Toledo. I don't know how that is in comparison to size to Delaware. We were about probably 28, 30,000, I think, when I was there. A little bit so, bigger. Well, that's kicking off. I don't know, like maybe 7,000 graduates a year, and we become alumni immediately. And, you know, one of the first thing I see in LinkedIn, and it's always that constant connection is, hey, three people from your college work there. <laughs> and I'm always like, wait, whoa. There's a lot of alumni connection that I have no idea what, about, but if I'm ever in a meeting or I'm speaking somewhere, someone invariably comes up and says, oh, hey, Trent, I went to Toledo too, man. Like, that's awesome. I was there and, you know, whatever year, right? And then we're talking about Rocketville and how it went there. And, and it's an immediate connector to people. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm down in South Florida now in Boca Raton. And so I'm about 1,200 miles away from the University of Delaware. And when I meet a Delaware alumni, surprisingly, about 2,500 alumni down there alone uh, in South Florida. But it's like, wow, that's cool. And, and you're right. You just talk about regardless of what age group you are, there's things that you can find in common. And, and there's that trust level. It's almost like that person went to the same school. So yeah, they, they could be a jerk, but but your ultimate thing is that you trust them right off the bat. Like, oh my God, we went to the same place, probably grew up in the same area. So that there's that common bond that you have uh, with your fellow alumni. Yeah, it's a shared experience, right? Because we yeah. all go, oh, hey, did you go to the campus bar? What did you think about this place in the rec center? You know, like, And you immediately have instant like shared experiences. And man, it's refreshing. And it's a great conversation piece, of course. And, you know, and I think even advancing past that, because I am such a big sports guy, right? I have spoke for the Notre Dame Alumni Association Chicago, which is hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of members and big group. And that's a very small university, as you know, that's not like a 30,000. That's a right. 7,500 university people, you know, students at any time. So graduates are, are very few and far between, which makes it probably even more elite. And then I also am reminded of going into the Ohio State bar in Chicago, where if you want to go see Ohio State games, there's a bar that like everyone, they're kind of unofficial. It's not like it's yeah. Buckeye bar, but this is where all the Ohio State alumni go and there's probably a ton more if they were connected on Alumni Direct would be coming down to that bar on Saturdays to watch the ball game. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. I mean, Ohio State is a good one. I mean, they've got probably over a million alumni out there. It's huge. Uh, yeah. But you're right. It's that, you know, it's, you talk about that now. I just got something, a buddy of mine. We've got a Delaware's playing Penn State. I'm sure we're going to get killed. But uh, like it's it's on uh, the, the second weekend of the season. And we're talking about going to a, a Penn State sports bar with a bunch of Delaware guys and, and, and girls to kind of crash the party, so to speak. But yeah, there's uh, that common ground for sure. And then one of the things that um, you mentioned, like on LinkedIn, where you can go and, you know, this person graduated from the school. What we're trying to do is just make it 
easy. Like one person put it best to me is it's almost like you can connect with somebody. It's like handing a business card, like, Hey, Trent, we went to the same school. We connected on LinkedIn and now it's up to us now to continue that conversation. And a lot of people don't know how to do it. And that's what we're trying to do at alumni direct is to kind of take people under our wings and teach them the right way to network and connect, but make it easy for them because they know they're going into that college alumni community center or that athlete alumni community center. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one thing to have a listing of a place where all these people are. I, I think that's gigantic. Right. I, I'm, and I know the universities are trying to do it. I know they send out tests. I, I feel like it's always pay to play from the universities, yeah. right? Like, Hey, we'd really like you in your varsity tea club or the association. Just send us forty nine ninety five, and we can get you listed. I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't I already give you enough money? Like how'd yeah. that work? Right. So I think there's some really interesting concepts of that. But one thing I'm hearing from you differently is that not only when you're plugged into Alumni Direct do you have the listing, but now there's ongoing education. Jump on the webinar and have a little introduction about how you network and how you might meet people. And ultimately, do you see that as having like college uh, webinar events where people can join in from, from an individual school or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give you an example. Like one of the things that um, that I'm doing right now, we have an athlete community center and every month I host a virtual event and just getting together right now, my former podcast guests come on uh, on this networking event and they're able to talk and they're across all sports, which is cool. So, I mean, you've got, you know, NFL players talking to college wrestlers to swimmers across the thing. So um, it's bringing together and and we're committed to do that within the college communities as well. So as we start building these communities and we see some traction, we'd be more than glad to help facilitate these events and they can do it themselves too. I mean, they can create on the site, they can create events, you know, whether they're virtual or live and share them out with other alumni. I love it. I I just think what a powerful, that power of that network is such a big deal and it's amazing. And you know, the the sea of people that are just tied with affinity to that university. I mean, most people's university is a pretty good experience. We study what we want, that we have passion about. You know, we meet instructors and people that help us along, counselors that get us along in our career. So it feels like we meet influential adults that catapult us in our world. And then, of course, our, our peer-to-peer network is gigantic. We make a lot of friends. Most of it's good. You know, in college, it's usually positive relationships. And I don't want to discount that people have some negative thing experiences uh, at at a university. That does happen, unfortunately. And I know schools work hard to avoid that. And uh, I was part of that, by the way. I was part of that University of Toledo when we had a, a major uprising when I was on campus. And it was very tragic. And, and unfortunately, it was an inside issue that was going on. You know, maybe a little bit of what I would consider someone mentally unhealthy about their job was really concerned about keeping their job in security on the campus and started creating security issues on the campus and really elevating that to a horrible level and where people actually died. And fortunately, the university caught it and made it, you know, safe again. But even though that experience happened in a short time while I was at university, I don't look back at that and remember that as the only thing that happened that was negative at the school. I mean, you know, this was 95% positive and 5%, you know, was, hey, tough or things. And even the things that probably were tough at the time and negative, like tough classes, you know, I, I think back and when you have perspective 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you're like, wow, I really learned a lot through that experience and it served me in a lot of ways. And I'm thankful I went through a hard time, you know, that helped me get through 
the next time it got hard. And also knowing that I could do it and I could get my degree and I could overcome a tough professor or whatever the issue was. And so I think there's so many great lessons that the experiences and the experiential share is also a great network piece. You know, when I've had good conversations of talking to people about a, a tough instructor, it was negative at the time, but now we're sharing it 15 yeah. years later going, yeah, we both got through it. Yeah, high five, <laughs> man. Like, and it's instantly something else to connect on. Oh, yeah, then no doubt. I mean, just and going to the, you know, going to different events, going to, you know, whether it's sporting events or, you know, people love talking about the fraternities and the sororities that were in there. And, you know, we're, we're trying to cater to all that as well. Because, I mean, I think it's important to uh, to have those memories. And, 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 you know, some of the things you look at, I always talk about like jobs, for example, is that, you know, when you're at a university, they've got career services and there's only so much they can handle. They can work with the juniors and the seniors and maybe some people out. But a lot of these alumni, once they're out, it's kind of forgotten. And it's not it's not on purpose. It's just they, they can't they don't have enough people to handle that. And so that's something we're trying to facilitate as well is to have alumni posting jobs, you know, people that are in a higher position posting jobs within that alumni community and then having other alumni that are looking for jobs to tap into it. And I'm not saying you're definitely going to get the job, but I say this all the time. If I'm interviewing five people and they all have the same credentials, but one went to University of Delaware, probably going to hire the Delaware person. You probably do the same thing for Toledo. So it's, you have that, just that common affinity relationship. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and it's funny having also gone to grad school at Michigan State and now being in Michigan, Right. There's some affinity. And I grew up a Michigan fan. So there's a big, you know, this is the war, right? This is like a house <laughs> divided. If you have like a spouse who went to Michigan and then the other one went to Michigan State, it's like, well, like we don't talk a couple weekends of the year, right? <laughs> it's like really crazy because it becomes this house divided, right? And it's a lot of fun, but I will tell you exactly that. I mean, you know, listen, there's a lot of shared experience from my Spartan brothers, right? And sisters. So someone starts talking to me about their experience of Spartans and what happened in this area and that. I know it. And someone says, oh, well, yeah, University of Michigan, we had a great program of this. I'm like, I don't know it. I was never on campus at length to know those things. And so it's kind of like, I don't know the conversation. So it does. And, and just those little things, just it, they do play on our psychology without a doubt. And for someone who is really out there, who's really bolstering their career, I think it's so important to know where these people went to school, what you know about them. And man, that's where Alumni Direct, so powerful. And then knowing that and being able to connect LinkedIn and seeing shared connections, that brings a whole nother level of connecting there too. So what a big deal for people that are continuing to try to move and progress. And if you're in sales, I mean, that's a big deal to know people that are willing, especially in a position to make purchase products and things like that of your category and knowing where you can find buyers that already have familiarity with you. It's just a huge relationship, you know, booster that you don't need, you know, you already have it intrinsically. Yeah, that you got that step up. And I always talk about that. I mean, if you trying to sell to an alumni and you just, you know, you build a connecting network, it's all about relationships. And so it, it's uh, that alumni experience is a foundation for relationships. And so it, it definitely helps to start doing that to to working with people. And then to your point, um, like one of the things we talk about is say advertising your business in alumni direct in your community. And not to say that, you know, alumni are definitely going to buy it, but I think because you're an alumni, they'll at least give it a look, you know, whereas if mm -hmm. it's just any kind of product or service and somebody's trying to sell it, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Or when they do do it, it's because somebody recommends it. So here it might not necessarily be recommended, but the fact that they're alumni just kind of like, okay, well, that's kind of a recommendation because again, we've got that, that common relationship. 
Yeah, you know, it's so it makes so much sense that if you're in a B2B position, you know, tap into your network. It's such it's so valued. So let's talk a little bit about pivot to your show, podcast athletes to entrepreneurs. This is a huge event. Why do you think that these athletes uh, tend to run into the entrepreneur community? You've got these alumni, they went to school, they studied something and they've decided, hey, maybe they go out, do a job for a little while, but ultimately they want to own their own thing. Why do you think athletes are drawn to that? Because, you know, when I first joined the entrepreneur organization, my first year I joined a forum, we had nine members of our forum and five were former college athletes like yourself. I mean, what most people don't know about you is you were a cross country guy and track guy for the fighting blue hens. Did you guys fight actually on the track or was that just like you kicked everybody's butt and that was the fight? Uh, yeah, that was a fight. I mean, it was, okay. you know, it was, it, we, we kind of left it for the football players, but, you know, we did a little bit of that too. Yeah, perfect. So what do you think about the athletes to entrepreneurs? Talk to me about why you think they go that way. Well, I, I think it's a, you know, and I talk about it with most people that I interview on the show and we, and we interview former collegiate professional athletes across all sports. But I think the common theme is, is that there's an athlete skill set or the athlete DNA, whatever you want to call it. A lot of these, it's the, it's the leadership skills. It's the teamwork, it's the preparation, the hard work, the goal setting, everything as an entrepreneur that you really need to do. I mean, there's, there's got to be a fight in you. And, you know, we've talked about it offline. We're both entrepreneurs ourselves, but it, sometimes it's a struggle. But I think the, the athletes have that mindset that they can attack it and they can continue to, you know, to feel the pain, so to speak, but, but drive through it. And I think mm. that that's what makes them special. And, um, you know, I, even in talking to some of the people on my podcast, one, one guy resonates, it wasn't as an entrepreneur, but it was more about business leadership. And he was a, a guy that, you know, played college football. And when he was done, he kind of went up the corporate ladder, ultimately became a CEO for a couple of different companies. And he just implored athletes like, Hey, you know, use that skill set. I mean, everything that, that you've got, that drive, that perseverance, the, the strength, determination, use that and build a company. Yeah, I think I would say, and I agree with you 100%. I would also say that a lot of those skill sets for folks going from alumni who are going into the corporate world, there's so many more skills. You know, first of all, I think most people don't know that the current workforce is about 20% college grads. I, last time I checked, that number may be a little different now. But this is not everybody's a college graduate, right? It's a hard deal to go sacrifice, pay the money, you know, go in. But listen, all the things that you learn are massive. You know, it's time management. It's working in groups. It's individual performance. It's individual care, living on my own and navigating that water and living with other people and how to be a roommate. And But it's also working in groups and how we combine to create something valuable. And then we focus on something that we really want to get really good at. And professors who have had 30, 40 years of studying this, you know, all experts in their field all come and give us that expertise over a very intense kind of time period of learning, which also shows that we can go and direct and learn quickly on a job and got learning skills and coachability, which is so big for anyone in the corporate world that they're looking for people to have those skills to say, hey, you're coming to our company. We need to teach you how our products serve and how you can talk very knowledgeably with knowledge about our product. And we need to train you up for 30 days. And you're like, I don't know if I need 30 days. I could probably learn this in a week, but they're used to doing it this way. And so they do that and go, wow, these students they come out of here 
are really way ahead and they are a step above on the way to leadership because they're already coming in at level three, four on a corporate structure of leadership because these other, the other folks who started the front line have got to learn that. And, and it takes a few years and they already got the chance to do it in another environment and they'll probably do it in other environments. Walk me through that about how valuable that's been and what your alumni have said about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the key word there is leadership. You're right. I think it's just that um, people, you've got that as a, especially, I mean, if, if you think about people that are captains, I mean, you know, you have different levels, obviously on each team, but most of these people, especially if you start talking about like, you know, D1 sports and some of the bigger sports, they were probably leaders in their high schools or on their peewee teams or little league teams or whatever you want to call it. So as they kind of went up the ladder, they, they kind of did that leadership. And I think people also tend to gravitate to athletes and look up to athletes. So I think, um, you know, they're, they're watching them on the field, they're envying them. And, you know, whether that's deserved it or not, I don't know, because it depends on the person, all that, what they stand for. But I think there's definitely that sense there. And I think that's what companies look at is they're looking to hire these uh, leaders. And, you know, like you said, I think there's steps above already. I mean, when you go into sales, especially, and a lot of companies like to hire athletes that, you know, for sales positions, because they feel like, you know, maybe a little bit of the gift of gab they've got, you know, they know how to communicate. And again, they're engaging. And then of course, people want to hear their stories. You know, they're, they're good storytellers. So, I mean, I think all that comes into play. Yeah, I think it's huge. I, I think that any student who's like, found their specialty. Athletes are a very frontline specialty, right? And it, and it sticks out, lifted up in the communities often. And at bigger universities, television, there's all sorts of things. But people who lead in labs, people who lead in band and people who lead in dance and theater and education, you know, there are skill sets there that have created expertise. And, you know, if you want to own that and, and move to that next level coming out of it, you've been given all the foundation you need at the university level to take that to that next step. And and it doesn't really matter the environment. If, if you're in a nonprofit organization, you're in a school, you're in a factory, you're on a professional team, right? It just doesn't matter what organization you're involved in. Those skill sets transfer very well. The environment changes, but the skills don't. And learning to apply those in a way that fits the organization's needs is critical, but all the foundation for those skills are already laid. And so it's a big deal. And uh, and I see a lot of people, and this is another factor of Alumni Direct, I see a lot of people who want to know, hey, what did you study and what were your extracurricular activities? Whether you were doing a, a full-time athlete thing or you joined the economic club at university or, you know, the underbotter basket weaving group. I don't know. I don't care what you were passionate about. Like, get it on because people like that, they went above and beyond the minimum and did more and got involved. And that is huge. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think one other that we didn't kind of, another, I uh, guess, whether you call it skill set or personality trait, whatever it might be, but passion is a big thing. And just, you know, to be able to um, excel in what you're doing, it, it, you know, if you've got that passion for whatever you're doing, like you said, whether it's basket weaving or, or economics or, or being a doctor, whatever it might be, if, if you've got that passion there, which athletes have, that's something that's... Um, it's just great. Yeah. I think one of the things about college that I learned from university was studying. I mean, I did not 
I disliked studying as a young man. I had, I think, somewhere between 20 and 30 higher priorities than that, right? Like that was not my interest. Fortunately for me, it wasn't challenging for me to learn. So I could learn quickly. So I could learn quickly and skate by with B's and C's for for many years and felt pretty good about myself because I'd always kind of rise and rally for to get the grade when I needed it. But Man, when I got into university where I really started studying in my area of passion, school became an absolute joy. I mean, learning became an absolute joy. It wasn't like, oh, I've got to go home and study. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. We're going to do cadaver lab tomorrow. This is going to be awesome. You know, like there's going to be dead body. You know, like we're going to talk all about how the body works. And everyone's like going, oh my gosh, that's super gross. And I'm like going, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> right. And so here I am just enthralled in this and man, the learning and all of a sudden I'm getting dean's list and president's list. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what this stuff is, but these are nice awards. I didn't know. I'm just loving what I'm doing and it's getting really, it's coming really easy for that reason. And man, I, I think that passion just shows out in everything, in your relationships, in your personal relationships, in your parenting, in your teams, in your organizations, even how you manage yourself when you're just in public at the restaurants and things like that. I think it just shows up because you have a new appreciation. And I've always had a great appreciation now as, as much as I travel when people have just passion for what they're doing, whether that's serving a, a cup of coffee you know, making a souffle, you know, building a skyscraper. I just love it when you see people who do their work and love the way they contribute. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, the, the, you know, you hear a lot of people say sometimes, you know, a Walmart reader, you know, that, that what the, the infectious personality, I mean, you know, we, we've all gone to uh, different sporting events and you've got that, that person that takes you down to your seat, but they just, they're passionate. They just love that sport and they, they'd be there every day and they do it with a smile. It, it's just, it's great to see. That's such a good example right there. I remember there was a man I knew back in Cleveland and Cleveland, when I was with the Indians was the heyday, right? The place was sold out for like three years. And in fact, would sell out in like nine days. And so there was a man who I knew who owned a local business and he he was on a list to get a better seat. You know, he wanted to move a little further in behind home plate and he already had good seats. Like they were pretty good. And, and when the opportunity came, he was like, Oh, I can't leave Teresa. Teresa was his night after night at Jacobs field. She was his greeter. And Teresa, hey, how you doing, Mr. Stanley? How you doing? And walk him down and like, how's your wife? And they built a relationship, right? And he was like, I could go get the other seats, but, you know, can Teresa come and greet me over in section, you know, 242, you know, like, and, and they're like, no, like she's, you know, 248, you know, like, and he's like, yeah, I'm not leaving. I love Teresa, right? And so here's the, here's the impact of relationship for people and what they want from, because it's not just, hey, I want to come see the ball game. I'm coming for the experience. And Teresa and I share that together. And it's awesome. Yeah, that that's great. I mean, that's it. Kind of you talk about that. Kind of remind me of the movie Fever Pitch. You know, where, where like they uh, where they had the the seats, the season tickets were just they were there all the time. The same people, you know, and it was yeah. that whole that whole group of people. But I think they had a they might have an usher there too. They just you know knew them by name and you know treated them right. Yeah, and that's such a Boston thing, right? Because that's a really unique park and what an environment. And it's funny because the reality is, is there's a strong bond and relationship, and they really show that. They do such a good job in that movie of showing it. And then 
Not, you know, these people likely have no idea what they do individually outside that Fenway Park, right? Like they have, <laughs> like, I don't know where you live, what your business is, what job you do, nothing, but they have this thing in common. And you can see the relationship. They're talking to each other, first name basis. They've been oh, yeah. there forever. And, you know, and, and I think that's really neat too, when you develop that kind of relationship and it's part of your inner circle where, hey, wow, like Rob hasn't been here for three games. Is, is, is everything okay with Rob? Like they are aware that and care, aware and care about each other. And so, you know, I I think those are really bonds and relationships that are built and they're often built by something like that college experience. So power of alumni direct, I think is just, uh, it's just a great one. Super excited about what you're doing there. And, you know, for everybody out there, get on board. Like, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? Let's go. So absolutely (laughs) got to do that. Like, let's go. So let's pivot a little bit now. You're a New Jersey kid, time in Delaware through college. So now at the age of 25, you know, you spend all the time in the Northeast. And now it's Florida. Like you decide, hey, I'm going to be a Boca Raton guy, right? And like, what gauges that decision? What are you thinking? Like, hey, this is a good idea. I mean, besides the snow. Uh, you know what? Honestly, that was the number one seller at, at first was just the weather. That, that's kind of what got us down there. And it's it's interesting because everybody talks about, oh, Florida is so hot. It's so hot. Yeah. And it is, but everything's so well air conditioning. And, yeah. you know, come like October, November, it's just, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and growing up as a kid, my grandparents lived down there. So I'd go down to Florida a lot of times in the wintertime, obviously. So, you know, that, that would make an impact, but it's a, uh, it, it's a great life. And it's, it's funny too, because most people think of Florida, like, oh, it's all old, old people, but it's not. I mean, there's a lot of young people and, and people moving down there and it, it's a great, it's great when you could do stuff all year round, you know, like yeah. I've, I've had the flip side and, you know, you grew up, you said in Michigan and all that. So you, uh, you've got the weather and my daughter's in Chicago. So I've, I've, I've endured some of the you know short periods of time but like the chicago winters it's rough and it just makes me appreciate florida that much more especially when you're close to the beach yeah go to the beach every weekend and just kind of walk and people watch and just just enjoy yourself relax yeah that is really cool i mean that is a there's a reason why people do this life right i mean if you know the midwest we're we're infamous for it where you know we go to florida as soon as we can in the winter and then of course come back to the cabins and the lake fronts and all the things for the summer and it's a high quality life of health and wellness and you know whether that's six and six or nine and three or whatever you're spending man it's it's just really good and feeling you know you got to feel for your florida group this year i mean they've taken a couple real hits on the weather i mean these hurricanes are just uh keep coming through and it's a natural part of florida it's not uncommon this is not like oh my gosh it's climate change there's hurricanes now there's always been hurricanes like really, yeah. there's there's a university called the hurricanes for a reason and they yeah, were named yeah. that a very long time ago because this has always been in a hurricane path, right? So, but that doesn't make it any less, you know, tough for people that do have to endure and get through that. So definitely feeling for the people of Florida when those things happen. And so shout out and prayers out to them when, when all these things, I know they're still rebuilding Naples and, you know, another hit goes through there in that area, fortunately going a little north of Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, or Tampa, Fort Myers. But, you know, that area got hit pretty good the first time too. So, yeah. You know, twice in a year just gets rough. Yeah, no, our our thoughts go out to them. And, uh, you know, we've we've lived there. We've been there for a couple of hurricanes, and it's it's a scary thing. And the only, I guess, the positive is it um, not positive, but the fact that you do get advanced warning 
I mean, you know, I've been, uh, I've had the fun of uh, being in Chicago this summer and getting those uh, tornado warnings at the last minute. Like, okay, like, what do we do here? I don't want to get Dorothy in Kansas here. Yeah. Yeah. That warning's about eight minutes, you know, like, and we just, you know, not long ago, we just had one, you know, streak through Michigan. And I was actually in Dallas at the time with 109 degrees. So, you know, I was like going, oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to be out of Michigan uh, in the warm weather of Dallas going, oh my gosh, I, I actually felt my skin was melting from my face. And, and I was like, wow, this is what heat really feels like. And meanwhile, unbeknownst to me, thinking like, hey, it's hot up there too. This tornado runs through the, through the northern Grand Rapids and then really runs right down 96, which really creates a lot of havoc because uh, pretty rural, but a major highway between Detroit and Grand Rapids, Lansing, all three big cities are connected to that. And going through four days after the event, man, I mean, I I went through an area that looked like, you know, Godzilla went through. Like it was like all the trees were halved and they're all like folded over like a toothpick, you know, down and the branches and they'd fallen on the highway and closed the highway. And it was just, you know, this streak of a few miles where, I mean, how long do trees take to grow? And these are big trees in Michigan. This isn't yeah. like these little like little bushes on the side of the road. These are massive trees. So, you know, it, it changes the landscape of things for years and years to come. And we were just discussing that one of the golf courses was really hit bad locally. And it's changed the dynamics of the course, right? Like, you know, yeah. these trees that used to be an issue are no longer in play because they're gone. Yeah. And it's, it's bizarre. I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make it a Lynx course, but it's significant. And so it's uh, when we deal through these things, it's a lot, but hearts out to them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's finish with this, Rob. I mean, a lot of people are challenged today and a lot of it's around work and they're not in environments they want to be in. They're not uh, contributing to organizations they believe in. They're struggling. They may be out of work. You know, the, the Winners Find a Way show is typically bent on the fact that winners, when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. Great quote from the Four Disciplines of Execution. So you've seen some friends out there. I mean, we've talked about a few friends that are hurting and things are tough and people are going through these, uh, you know, tragic events like these horrific hurricanes and Hawaii event, the fire. And what, what would you tell somebody today that's out there that's, hey, got to take themselves up and get back going and, and find a way? You know, I think the biggest thing is is to keep keep your chin up and just uh, try to be as positive as you can. I mean, we all go through negative uh, stretches, and I think we just have to we have to f- you know forge through it and just know. And I think it, doing things that you want to do and that you're passionate about. We talked about passion before. I think a lot of times people get in ruts; they might be in a certain position, and don't be afraid to challenge yourself and to find potential other opportunities, whether it be just in other businesses, whether it be entrepreneurship, but find things out there that make you happy. Because I mean, you know, we, we're here and, and you want to enjoy every day. And I think all of us have gone through where, yeah, I wish I was somewhere else. Well, this is take that opportunity to really look around you and look at the big picture and find what you're most passionate about, what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I, and, and I want to make a very distinct difference of what Rob just said something that you're passionate about and makes you happy isn't necessarily easy and that's okay like I love entrepreneurship you and I were talking about offline it's not always easy there are struggles in that but I really wouldn't want to struggle somewhere else I like the struggles here I like the struggles as a professional coach I liked trying to get challenging organizations to be moving in the right direction and play for championships and that's what we did and you know, creating 
that opportunity was diligent work. And I know everyone looks on the outside and goes, oh man, that must be a great job. And I'm like, you know, when you go to work 162 days out of six months and you get one day off a month, you really better love what you're doing, right? And, and people don't, hey, you get an off season. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Teachers do too, right? And they get every weekend off. And like, you know, like it's a hard grind and you have to love it. And listen, I'm not a woe is me guy. Like don't, don't feel sorry for me because I had to work in pro ball, but it was, there are going to be times I didn't love it. And I knew I wasn't getting sympathy from everybody else, but I can tell you that, Anything you do in a job in an organization, there are things you're not going to like about it. Sure. I think the other thing that you really touched on was getting back up. And, you know, when you, when you, when you get back up, we're also typically looking for immediate networks that may help our, our network of people that can help us get back on our feet. And, you know, we talk about how important the five closest people are in our network, but, you know, I think there's been, I think the alumni is overlooked when people are challenged and in trouble, like, where can I go to get some help? I was trained in this place. And I think there's a lot of people that maybe are in a better situation in the moment that are probably more willing to come alongside fellow alum and help them. And I think if they didn't reach out to that network, it's probably an error. And you know, I've been there before, Rob, and that wasn't something I thought about first. And looking back on that, I thought, why didn't I make that call? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of my most recent podcasts, a person was talking about that, just saying, I really wish I would have tapped in when I was in college. You know, the athlete, they play college athletics, and they might be professional, I'm not sure the person, but they, they talked about that exact thing. It's just that people are willing to help and you need to, you need to reach out to them. I mean, there's, you know, you have your different phases of alumni, you know, you're first coming out, you're looking for a job, you know, then you, you know, people are established, they got their families and then you get people, you know, as they get older, like you and I, uh, they, they want to get into that whole mentorship role too and, and helping yeah. people. But uh, I think don't be afraid, you know, I encourage it when you're in school and then when you get out of school and just all the way through it, because you never know, it doesn't have to be for a job. It doesn't have to be for business. You never know where somebody wants to help you or where you, or you want to help them. I guess the one lesson I always say with networking too, is uh, be willing to give to others and have that helping spirit. Like don't, don't look at every opportunity as what's in it for you, but like, how do you help others? And I think if you have that kind of a little bit of that servant mentality, that goes a long way with a lot of people. I'll add to that too. in the fact that if I was asking for help, even though I may be asking for a hand in something, I would also likely ask, hey, how can I help you? And I may not be in a situation to help anybody monetarily or emotionally today, but you know, I, I have a specialty from this university. I, I graduated some information and I don't know how many mentors I've had that I've asked that question and for their time and effort, I've written up fitness programs for them, help them with their diets, help them get back on a winning schedule that can help their health and, and their mental state better. I mean, we do that all over the world for people. So if I can give that because I have that knowledge, hey, I really can't give you money, but I can give you my time and some effort and help you get better too. And this might serve you through diabetes or, or something like that. And it's a great exchange of knowledge that we can always use. And, and that's provided by that university, by our university right. experience. So why wouldn't we lean into it when we're with our alumni? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I definitely do it. People are willing to help. 
Love it. All right, for everybody, thank you so much for joining us on the Winners Find a Way show. Rob Finkelstein for joining us. You can also always check us out on NIL for You, our podcast. Rob plays host on our NIL for You podcast. I am a co-host color guy only, and so I always get excited about, you know, chatting up all the stuff, NIL and what's going on with the college athletes and all the world. It's a bunch of fun. So join us over there and are for our aim and for leadershipity and for the winners find a way show. Thank you for joining us. We are always on Fridays, 1230 PM Eastern, 930 AM Pacific. Come and join us then until next time. Winners find a way. Rebellious infusions are organic flavored water enhancers. Rebellious provides clean focused energy in liquid packets. Just tear the corner of the packet and pour 16 ounces of water. Rebellious infusions have no sugar, no calories, and up to 300 milligrams of antioxidants and loads of L-thionine for brain health. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.